watching or listening, uh, this is a genuine intelligence podcast where artificial intelligence meets real people. And today we're speaking with Jennifer Kastenson, um, and I'm joined by Steve Burrows to talk about life cycle assessments in homes and in properties. So um, welcome, Jennifer. Hi, Steve. Um, Hi. So, so yeah, do, do you want to... Um, give the listeners a short introduction on um, who, who you are, Jennifer, if that's okay. Sure, yeah, thank you. And thanks for the invite, Athena and Steve. Great to see you guys. And this is a really fun format, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I am the head of ambassador and partner programs for BuildExact, which is a building technology for single family builders and remodelers. And um, hopefully we have a little bit more time to, to dig into that, but I would just welcome anybody to go to buildexact.com to take a look at what that all means and what we're doing. But we, I'm also a contributing writer for Forbes on housing innovation. So really, really excited about innovative processes and programs that lead to more sustainable and affordable housing. It's that's pretty interesting, but it's pretty complicated, right? I'm trying to think. You know, our our goal here is to try and help educate people on practical things that they could be doing. You know, the where um for their home. So you've used words like life cycle assessment and sustainability. I mean, could you sort of define them a little bit for us? And then uh, sure. Just by the way, I'm going to ask. Chat GPT to also define it. I'd be interested in how the two things compare. So yeah, let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so life cycle assessment, basically, I mean, there there are a lot of things that have a life cycle assist assessment. So it could be just one individual product, but if we're talking about a whole building, it's all the products and materials that go into that building. And there are other terms that we look at that talk about what that means for the building industry. So cradle to grave, um, cradle to cradle. And um, what that means is that from, from the start that products are sustainable and the processes to bring the products to the building are sustainable. Uh, and that encompasses every single material that goes into the construction of a building. So it is um, pretty intense and it's something where it's a place where the industry is headed. So, so ChatGPT, I just, I, I tried to ask ChatGPT, what is life cycle assessment for a home in one sentence? And um, yeah, just by the way, we've learned that if you ask ChatGPT an open question, um, you get a very long answer. So we're trying you to keep it. You stump it. I yeah. think you stumped it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it says life cycle assessment for a home is a comprehensive evaluation that considers the environmental impact of all stages from construction, uh, operation and eventual demolition or disposal. Do you think that's a, a fair definition? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, just like I was saying, it's the supply chain, it's a transportation to the job site. It's all aspects of the manufacturing facilities where the products are made where people are going to be looking for more localized materials. It's um it's a very, very comprehensive, holistic look at what goes into a building. So so if you're if you own a house or you're buying a house, um wh why should you care about this? Well because yeah, so all of those products, the reason why a life cycle assessment is important is because it's looking at the emissions and the overall performance and sustainability of a product. 
um, a product being a house or a product just being the, the lumber floors that go into a house. So when you put all of that together and you have a life cycle assessment that is positive for a house, then you it, it equals, it uh, brings value to the livability, the comfort, the health and wellness of that property as well. For a homeowner as well, does it make a difference the I guess the the construction type of the property, whether it's maybe timber frame, steel frame, concrete built, um, in terms of the life cycle assessment on those elements. Oh, for sure, absolutely. So if you're somewhere, I mean, you know, concrete's going to have a hard time getting a good life cycle assessment just because of the carbon mm -hmm. emissions during manufacturing and then during the the operational aspect. So that's why a lot of uh, architects are designing in timber and trying to get there in a feasible way um, that has the same strength and performance as what we've been using in, in terms of concrete. So one, it's going to be important how far away are you sourcing those materials. Um, so it has to be a lot of, it, a lot more will go towards regional construction, but then you'll have other factors that are involved. Um, and like the carbon emissions. So it's a, it's, it's just a very, very, um, uh, right now I know there's a lot of people trying to get into development of life cycle assessment calculators. And I don't think there's one that's pretty, very functional or reasonable yet, but I'm super excited to see how that evolves over time. We have the technology to do it. We probably have all the data to do it, but um, it's a hard, it's, it's a slippery slope. So yeah, I, I just, just by way of trying to like understand this a little bit more, because I think it, I think it's, you know, we use a lot of terminology that's not, you know, it's not easy to unpack. So I started with like life cycle. Uh, Ask ChatGPT how long should a home be designed to last? Because as a designer, as an engineer, uh, I'm generally designing on a, on a, a total life and then a life to first maintenance for the components. I mean, that's generally the choices that I'm making. And the longer I design a component to last, the more it costs, um, typically. So yeah. I asked at GPT, it said homes are designed to last between 50 to 100 years. So how could anybody know what, what life is going to be like in 50 or 100 years from now? I mean, isn't it just impossible to do a life cycle assessment? Because we can't possibly know what. Well, things so I, like. I would say no. I mean, we have no? many structures across the, uh, even in U.S. and then across other countries that have been around for a really long time. We right. have substrates that are performing um, and they've been performing for a really long time. Um, you know, we have on the East Coast of the U.S., there are homes that have were built in the early, um, or I should say the late 18th century. So if you look at the performance of those bricks that, or whatever it is, the mortar or whatever put them together, then or the timber, you can you can look at some of that stuff. Now, as we develop new materials, which is what we could and should be doing, um, in order to build faster and improve the constructability, then we will come across ways to we will need to come across ways to build prototypes. And to put them in scenarios that will really test the performance of the the various the new materials, uh, just like you said. And I don't know how 
I'm I'm sure there are ways to speed that up to show um, a decade's worth of use within a shorter amount of time. But it's really about taking all of the, the and making a true accounting of all of the energy and uh, resources that go into and that are associated with producing that, uh, uh, let's say, just a home. Right. Yeah, I just, I just have, a, I have a view. Um, you know, I've done, I've done some TV shows around, um, you know, great buildings of the past that we look at today and in, in awe. And I sort of came to the conclusion that honestly, um, it's all luck. Um, all the bad buildings are gone, and the ones that fortunately were designed to still be relevant, you know, a hundred or two hundred years later, uh, exist just by luck. I don't think the designers knew that they'd still be relevant in a hundred years. Uh, they just happen to be the only one, you know, they stand the test of time um, because because they're they're, fort- they're lucky. And uh, I just wonder if you're doing a life cycle assessment. I'm trying to think, you know, if you ask a builder today, if I a builder was building my home today, if I said to him, right, I, I want you to consider uh, life cycle in the in the design and construction of my home. Um, you know, what sort of response would I get? And so I asked ChatGPT to say, you know, what might a sustainable home have today that they have that they don't have today? And it's all about energy. And um, and is, so is that really the the core of life life cycle assessment going to more renewable energy sources or recycling water? Is that really the core of it? Does it change the materials that you build with? I I think over time it will change the materials, and that was a lot of questions. So I'm going to try to break it apart. But I think <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. think that um, one thing that I really like is what um, the International Living Future Institute put together, which is their Living Building Challenge, and it's got the different verticals. I think it's seven different areas where you have to, um, where a home has to perform not only through the construction of the home, but then um, after that, during occupancy. So, you know, it's like place and water and the materials and um, health and health and wellness is part of that, and energy is also as well. So they're putting, they're testing something in regards to all those different what they call pedals as part of their living building challenge. It's, um, I think it's super close to what uh, a measuring scale for where we would, if you had a contractor come in, you would have to tell him, you know, you want this to achieve living building challenge status. Right, and would, would that that would that cost more money than than I, I, if he if I didn't ask him to do that? Absolutely. First of all, it's just not part of building code or standards, so people right. would have to your contractor would have to do extra research and study that in order to and obviously that would be part of the bill. I'm a, I'm a presuming, and then I think some of the materials are coming to be equivalent, but overall, you know, if you look at studies from NHB or other groups, the sustainable products still cost a premium. Well, so why why don't we pay for the, the 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 real cost of things that do damage to the planet? Why is it that you know that things are subsidized? So if I want to buy green energy, for example, through PG&E here in California, there's a premium that I have to pay for that. And I I, I ask myself, well, if if um, 
fossil fuel energy is so damaging, why is it cheaper? Why are they not yeah. paying full price for, for what, you know, uh, for, for the damage that's being caused? Why is it cheaper? It's because it's readily accessible, right? I mean, right. if if you had an easy way to get other things to your property, then um, it, there wouldn't be a premium. But you have to figure out a new system, which is hard to break through all of that infrastructure that already exists, which is the challenge that we're faced with right now, is how do we break through all of these um the coal and natural gas that's existing in order to bring more sustainable um, products online. And I mean, I'm, I, I would not doubt that there are a lot of politics involved and there are a lot of other things that are going to be pretty hairy yeah. to move through. But, but we've heard for a long time about carbon tax, that, that you know, what's going to happen is ultimately that people will be taxed on the whole life carbon and so is that do you, do you see that being realistic? We're, we're looking at designs here. We've just talked about 50 to 100 years. So yeah. if we look, if we're considering a life cycle assessment over, let's say, 100 years in 100 in that period of time, within that period of time, do you think that there will be a carbon tax and that things like fossil fuels will become, you know, extremely expensive and will and renewables will be cheaper? You know, I'm I'm super hopeful that it, it will be. Now, we have to be able to measure it in order to tax it. So right. that's part of the hurdle is that how I'm right now, I'm I know that there are dozens of carbon calculators out there, but none of them seem to be with the different experts that I cross paths with seem to be the right solution yet. So, how can we find one that's accurate? and has high fidelity in order to um, create a process to rely on in order to do those taxes. And I don't think no. that yet exists. Oh, is that really the problem with with uh, introducing? Because so, what I'm trying to get to here is that um, what you're saying is maybe it's very a life cycle assessments required at the moment. It's very early because the tools aren't very good and um, sustainable decisions cost more money. But over time, the market's going to come to see that sustainable solutions are much better and carbon is going to calculators are going to become much more sort of normal in the marketplace that everybody's going to be doing it. So it's a bit like buying an early electric car. You say, yeah, you might be you might be a, a first mover for a while, but eventually there'll be the dominant cars on the road. Is that how you see this? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there are some other inherent benefits to doing that and moving to that type of um, process where you can have on-site energy generation. So if you move to the renewables and you've got solar, um, I know uh, recently was talking to Daniel Gaiman of Daniel and Associates. So he was talking about having a community with on-site um, energy generation. Well, that protects that community from blackouts or outages or anything like that because they're creating their own power and then they can use it however in as these increasing climate change impacts hit them or the disasters hit um so yeah i mean i i like i said i'm hopeful that we'll get away from that i'm hopeful um that it doesn't necessarily take 
those taxes and that it's more of a um, social responsibility movement where people see and understand um, that the more damage we do, the more damage is coming towards us. Just yeah. going back to one of your points earlier about um, the use of certain materials and I guess how renewable or, or more expensive or cheaper they are. Um, it's really, you know, frustrating that there are materials out there like bamboo, for example, which is it, it's it's an extremely strong material um, and it, it's beautiful internally and externally. The aesthetically, you know, it's it's pleasing to the eye and um, it grows incredibly, incredibly quick um, compared to your usual timber. And on top of that, it's also a huge carbon vacuum as well. So it blows my mind that we have materials like that that aren't actually much more expensive at all because of the speed that you can grow it at and um, I guess then build with it. Um, and it's not really sort of widely discussed, but you know, a lot more sustainable home developers are now starting to utilize bamboo. Um, there are now um, specialists out there who are specifically growing this for, um, you know, development purposes. But it's just, uh, yeah, it's, fr it's frustrating that in the construction industry, you know, you, you hear about timber. And, but actually, you don't really hear about many other um, many other options when it comes to, to that side of things. Like, what, what are your thoughts on that yeah. works with that in the past absolutely so i think the scales need to tip and i think it's going to take you know where right now the inflation reduction act is out there for um that's giving incentives to not only homeowners but also to contractors um and it i think it needs to happen at a pretty big scale um for them to change material types but the we started this conversation talking about what some of the challenges are and really one of the biggest challenges is the cost imperative. So if people have to pay more for it, they they lose that social sensibility where they can be um, improving the world around them. It becomes just a matter of dollars and cents. And it's, um, you know, I, I know I've had remodeling projects in my own house before and it's, you know, you're always trying to refine the budget and value engineer. And I think all homeowners are doing that in this case. Um, now, if we can educate at a higher level and show people what those dollars equate to, and I think that there's more and more materials that are being generated right now that show that, which by that I mean, if you invest in this right now, let's say some sort of heat pump or whatever the case, solar array or whatever it is, if you invest this right now, the upfront cost is this, X, Y, Z, and then you get this tax credit or deduction. So it's minus that, plus you're gonna be saving this in operations over the lifespan of your mortgage. And then you're going to be, um, you know, and you're gonna be maybe um, selling energy back to the grid, which is another like revenue stream for you. So I think those things are, uh, gaining traction and will make not only homeowners smarter, but contractors smarter as well. Yeah, I think, you know, Athena and I are working together at ERA where we're trying to um, find a way to make homes more affordable for people to, to buy. And one of the things that, that I wanted to talk a little bit about 
chat GPT here and 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 this point, but 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 our feeling is um, that people have pride in their home. We think if you design a sustainable home, it will command a premium in the marketplace. So we're going to ask ChatGPT if that's true. And um, we also think that people move home; they actually, you know, incur the cost of of moving homes because their home they can't adapt their home to their needs. And so, you know, the question I've asked here is: Should if you're considering a life cycle, uh, let's say fifty years, so it's it's a it's our lifetime, maybe more yours than mine. Um, but you've got 50 years ahead of you. Um, is the home with the, that's designed, the floor plate that's designed today, still going to be relevant over 50 years? We think not. And so I, I asked ChatGPT, should a sustainable home be adaptable to the needs of the user? And it said, yes, um, you should be able to modify the space to suit your changing needs. Um, I yeah. mean, how does a life cycle assessment take that into account? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I am not sure. And you would have to think that there has to be flexibility and, and adjustability because um, an occupant, any, all individual occupants are going to have individual needs. So um, to address their uh, health and wellness in particular, but that's what we're seeing more and more. And I know that with studies that Zonda, um, the media group, Zonda data group, excuse me, and NHB have done show that people are now after the pandemic are a lot more cognizant of how their house impacts their health and well-being. And that it just like you said, Steve, um, when you're looking at it with an affordability lens, that there's um, definitely some room for us to look at where there's equity and how we can improve for all populations, the spaces that they live in, and then make them adaptable from owner to owner, or occupant to occupant. Because you know what I absolutely love about the idea of an adaptable home over the years is when you imagine in this day and age, if your parents had to move back in with you because they were maybe getting um, older and they needed more support and you didn't physically have the room in the house you would be thinking okay I'm going to have to plow 50 to 100 thousand dollars into an extension onto mm. the house and when you're taking into consideration that then the life cycle assessment of all of that extra material and effort going into it it just it blows my mind that actually if homes can be designed to be adaptable from the beginning i.e you can completely change the layout and the requirements internally of your home to suit whether it's you know today tomorrow or 50 years later i just think that's such a, a an amazing option really oh, well, i think my, my, I, mean, my, I, I agree with that but i think it's about money you know in my mm -hmm. my view is that well i've asked chat gpt do sustainable homes command a premium so we can see what the answer is there but i think sustainability the active part of the word is to sustain which means to endure last a long time so <clears throat> even with this life cycle assessment my guess is if you could make a building last 200 years instead of 100 years, it would be much more sustainable by definition because you wouldn't have to send anything to landfill. And 
it would probably command a premium because if you buy something that's going to last longer, you would expect to pay more for that. And so I think this whole issue of, you know, homes being inanimate objects that, that we currently design them, like a, a wall that has the roof bearing on it, it's very easy, very hard to change. But if you put in a frame, as we're doing, where you can move a wall, take a wall out, move it to another place, and there's no need to worry about whether there's load going down that wall, it becomes very easy to do. So even if you sell your home, you could actually reconfigure it to what the market wants um, just because you want to get more money for it. Um, or you could reconfigure it because you want to do what yeah. Athena said, um, move your parents in. Well, I don't think I would be doing that, and I hope my kids don't do that with us <laughs> either. But, uh, um, but, 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 you know, you might want to, or you might have a family and you might want to expand. But equally, you don't have to own it all. If you you could have a piece that you own, a piece that you rent, and we have this sort of fixed idea of mortgages. You buy a piece of floor area, two thousand square feet, and that's mm -hmm. your that's your home. But it doesn't have to be like that. You could you could rent another five hundred square feet that you need for twenty years, and then give it back. And this idea you talked about things like you know cradle to cradle and circular economy and that sort of thing. That's what that means to me is. Don't put it in the landfill because once I've paid for it, I certainly don't want it end, ends up as scrap. If I have a car that I don't want anymore, I sell it to somebody who wants it. I don't scrap it. And um, and I think with homes, that's exactly what we do. At the end of their useful life, we throw them away. And um, that's really bad economics, I think. I don't know. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? ChatGPT, by the way, went on and on and on about how <laughs> sustainable homes do carry a premium in the market. And uh, I understand it's it's about five percent on average. Uh, you can sell a sustainable home for more than a non-sustainable home. Whether that's worth the extra cost <clears throat> depends on the home, um, but that's about the sort of number. That's a pretty low number. I was expecting more, but yeah, I like that five percent. It's um, I think for me that would be very worth it. Um, but yeah, I would totally agree with you with the flexibility and adaptability of a space. It, I'm, that's certainly where and how we should be headed. Um, and, you know, there's so many implications of that and so many things that in terms of the, the U.S. buyer that they're looking for and that they need and want, there's a lot more uh, buyers who are looking at sort of that co-living, building that community, that uh, multi-generational living, um, and all they want, um, one of the main drivers for all of that is the affordability that you're pinpointing, Steve. So they want mm -hmm. to have something that's affordable, but then the other thing is just we're uncovering more and more about um, isolation and is uh, for an, an individual to be suffering from the um, isolation and not having a community around them is, you know, worse yeah. than smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. So in terms of their health and well-being. So how how can you combat that? It's with the places where they live, where they are able to interact with other people. Um, mm. And adaptable housing is, I think, a fabulous solution for that. You, you know, you've hit on it a number of times, this issue of, of health, life cycle assessments and health. So I asked Chuck GPT, how, how is 
health valued in life cycle assessments and you can see the answer on the screen but but it, it appears they fall under two broad categories you know one that relate relates to air quality so you know sustainable homes have better air quality I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on that and the second one seems to be mental health and you've you've, you've talked about that can you can you just because you, you've raised the issue of health quite a lot can you just sort of explain how a sustainable home is better for you as as an owner or, or a, an occupant than a non-sustainable home sure so well, let's just take a couple of examples um and if you have a sustainable home you're not you're using electricity which is not producing the emissions that natural gas would um, which can be very damaging to, um, for another, like, cognitive ability. It can be damaging to um, breathing. So you, you just talked about IAQ, which is an indoor air quality. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of things that go into that. Another thing is if you have the right cooling and heating system, um, it doesn't rely on moisture. Um, and there are a lot of systems out there that produce moisture and therefore you're seeing or getting mold, um, which can be obviously very damaging to um, health of the occupants. So those are a couple of examples and, you know, they could go on and on um, the right. thermal bridging and how um, indoor and air, indoor and outdoor air, um, the light that comes in, it should be designed so that you get the right amount of daylight at the right times of the day. So just so many different ways to look at a design and make it uh, sustainable and which, like you said, leads into more and better health for the occupants. So is, is in a normal house that isn't sustainably designed, is the air quality indoors worse than the air quality outdoors? Uh, it's been shown that yes, that can happen for sure. Right. So you're actually, you be if you you be uh, more, it'd be healthier to sleep outside. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is okay. sort of a bit sad, really. People don't probably don't realize that all of the things in their home are giving off, you know, even furniture and carpets are giving off gases that are you know, not always the, the things that you should want to be breathing in. And you have to think as well for those homes that are still run by um, or heated at least by gas where it might be a hub or a boiler inside, it does make you think, you know, running that gas hub and, and running the boiler, although there is a, a flu that then pushes um, the majority of the emissions outside, um, yeah, it does make you think how much of it is, you know, are you sort of closing in in turn, like inside with you as well? Yeah, I wanted to, like, one of the things that I'm particularly interested in is is what's called biophilic design. That's to use another sort of mm. complex term, but this idea that nature knows best and that, you know, people have found that putting, you know, living walls or even just plants inside their home has a positive impact on the on the quality of the air. So in a life cycle assessment, is is that sort of considered as well? You know, you talked about lighting, but but shading. You you know, trees give natural shade. Well, deciduous trees give natural natural shade in the summer, 
and allow daylight through in the winter, which is what you know we want as humans. We actually want. I mean, is that part of the consideration in a life cycle assessment? Yeah. So it's going to be. Um, I'm I'm sure it is in terms of. Um, it, it, sure, it could be considered because when you're looking at two um, zero landscaping is a new uh, trend in order to get away from using water for irrigation. So there are a lot of different ways to look at that um, and peel it back to make it part of the life cycle assessment for sure. And to your point about um, what you guys were saying about the, um, oh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) Um, um, Nature. Bringing oh, yeah, you brought up biomimicry. So I was going yeah. to uh, mention that earlier about um, <clears throat> yeah, there are many different materials that we're now digging into because of their performance in nature. And so how right. how can that teach us things? Uh, Athena, you were bringing up bamboo, and bamboo is a great, great material. We just haven't figured out ways to scale it like we need. And I know that there was one company working on, you know, we have cross-laminated timber. They're look, working on a solution that'd be like cross-laminated bamboo that would, you know, put the tensile strength of it to to use, to practical use, um, but then also bring some of those other properties together in a way that we could bring it to a higher volume of use. But there's also, you know, we're looking at different types of things that are out in nature and how to apply them to glass and or, you know, the, some of the other um, maybe insulation or other things that are within the house to make them perform better. That's fascinating. Yeah. And, and, and you know, one of the things that, that I've learned is that um, if you want to get the best return on your investment, um, use passive systems. So nature gives us a number of things for free, like, you know, trees that give shade or, or um, things like buoyancy, you know, hot air rises. And so you can get natural ventilation inside a building um, just, just using the fact that hot air rises and it's a natural fan that nature gives for free. That's the best return on your investment that you're, you could ever get. And so looking at passive systems um, are always more cost effective than looking at active systems like, you know, putting in powered shades or, or you know cooling systems um rather than natural ventilation and um, they're always going to cost you more money and be harder to pay back and um, would you agree with that yeah oh my gosh absolutely we need we need to be leveraging what's already there what exists and how we can use it to our our um advantage for sure yeah i asked chat gpt about how is health valued in life cycle assessments and came up with a number of things, but then I went on to sort of specifically talk about um, uh, natural things that you could do as well as how does, how does, um, uh, how is there a connection between sustainable design and mental health? Um, You know, because again, you touched on that a couple of things and uh, you can see the sort of, you know, fairly comprehensive answer that goes from, you know, sense of purpose and meaning, like doing good for the planet, um, and through to financial well-being, you know, feeling that uh, mm-hmm. uh, you're actually going to going to make a gain from it. One, one of the difficulties I think people have is to make this connection between spending money on a sustainable technology and and whether 
you know, other people will benefit. So I'm doing something for the benefit of the planet. It's not something that, you know, a lot of people, especially in a capitalist society, they that they think about, you know, they tend to think about the impact on themselves and not the holistic impact on, you know, the country or the planet. Um, how do you make how do you make that connection between, you know, the personal impact of what you do and then the global impact of what you do? That's very hard. <laughs> I wish so I had the answer to that. How do you do it? Would it would be probably pretty rich. You're passionate about this. I mean, why do you, how do you, yeah. you know, how do you do it? You just in yourself. What? Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm trying to discover and help people um elevate the different innovations that I come across so that they can go to scale and that we can be using them um industry-wide. So for me, it's all about trying to find what are those nuggets and then get them into the right hands so that people can execute using new processes and or new materials. And I just hope that that is, creates sort of a flywheel where more and more people can be um, involved in some of the innovation that's happening. And within my own organization, I'm um, within BuildExact, I'm trying to bring in some of those innovations as well so that you know more people all of our users can have access to them and uh, leverage the capabilities that are coming online so it's I, I think it's a super exciting time I think more and more people are realizing you know after the post pandemic and with climate change disasters happening at a higher frequency than ever that things do need to change and so they're looking for new solutions and they're now after they've been through maybe a hurricane or maybe after they now know that um, in Flor they live in Florida or they live in California and their homeowner insurance no longer will cover them. Um, they're, mm -hmm. they're, it's now time to take action. Now they realize that, you know, that, that things have to change. Yeah. I think, I think for me, I, the way I, the way I do this, you know, given that, the, the you know, I've just had a, had a granddaughter and, you know, I was talking to my son about it. Congratulations. So, you know, thank you. Thank you. And uh, I've said she'll be alive. She'll be the only one of us probably who's going to see the next century. And um, and so you suddenly try to, you know, I think it gives gives a window to a world, you know, far, far in advance of of where, you know, my normal horizon of thinking. And, and you know, you start to say, well, mm -hmm. you know, she's going to look back on us with, with pride of what we did, or is she going to look back on us with horror at what we did? And so I think, you know, looking at the world through the, the eyes of your children does give you a perspective where you say, we got to do something to help make, make things less bad. Uh, you know, I'm not sure we can mend mm -hmm. all of the things that we've done in the past, but we could, we can make the future less bad. And um, that might not be a very ambitious thing to do, but that's how I see it. I definitely think that normalising sustainable housing and eco homes is such a huge thing in probably at least over this next decade, because if you were to look back 10 years ago, having an eco home was almost like a luxury, really, wasn't it? You know, every channel you saw on, um, whether it was on the TV or on um, Netflix or any any of those platforms, 
that was talking about these eco homes. They were huge, like incredible structures, almost architectural pieces of artwork, you know. Um, and you would almost look at them and and think, yeah, they're just it's it's just an unaffordable option. But the more that these homes are actually built, um, and the more developers that now start to bring in sustainable materials like bamboo and, and other materials, I think it's it's going to hopefully open the eyes of this next, you know, the, the generation yeah. across this next ten years that are buying a home because they're just there just aren't enough of them and uh yeah i've just never really honestly i I mean you know and if you look at the design of our homes they they look like the homes that people aspire to live in there's a ton of websites where you can actually say and in Mm -hmm. fact dali which is part of open ai and uh chat gpt is part of the same family you can ask it to design a sustainable home and and you can visually see what it looks like and it looks like the home where from the peloton advert you know, that's what it looks like. And so people aspire to live in homes that look like that. What they buy attract homes that look like they were designed by for your grandparents. So yeah. there's this sort of massive divide between, you know, sustainably designed homes can look way better. And, and you know, they, they tend to be more minimalistic in their design style. But mid-century modern homes in California uh, generate a massive premium over tract homes. Um, at, at the point of sale. So, you know, I think we've got this sort of big prop, big design problem in that we're mm-hmm. designing these these homes that are based on very sort of nostalgic views of design. And, you know, I have a saying nostalgia is not what it used to be because um, it's never, you know, the past wasn't that great. Uh, you just remember it with rose tinted spectacles. And I think we've got to create uh, people who have higher aspirations and we make that at more affordable prices. And that's my sort of lecture on that, that subject. Um, but anyway, but, but given we're right near the end of the hour, Jennifer, and it's been very kind of you to give us so much time, um, are there any questions you'd like to ask ChatGPT based on our conversation today? When will we have the first ever accurate life cycle assessment calculator? There are various tools and softwares available. So it's simply ChatGPT is not very good, uh, but ironically, at making future predictions. It's, uh, <laughs> it's quite good. Most of the data is aggregated historically. So sure. early, earlier I did ask about life cycle cost analysis tools, and it listed out about six tools that, it, mm. that were sort of recommended. I, I currently think I, I, in my home, which is a tract home, I think if I put solar on the roof, that's like putting solar on the top of a Ford F-150 and claiming I've got an electric vehicle. And because um, right. so I, I, I sort of say, OK, what am I going to do with the energy that's generated in the day when I don't really need it? What am I going to do? Uh, where where am I, am I going to have to do a power purchase agreement? Am I going to have to buy batteries? Um, I'm, I'm generating DC current, but I need AC current. Yeah, do I can do the conversion? You know, I've got all these sort of questions in my mind that mean it's not simple. Uh, they're going to punch mm-hmm. holes in my roof to put the solar panels on. How do That's I right. get rid of them at the end of their useful life? How do I clean them? And I just go, well, I wish there was somewhere I could go where I just said, what's the best thing I could do for my house to be sustainable? And it could tell me. And I just can't yeah. find that. So I think yeah. that's a big problem. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends need... on so many different factors. Yeah. 
I was just going to say, we definitely need something like that, especially for the younger generation as well. Like, I have no idea what what involvement I would need to have if I had solar panels on the roof or if I had any kind of um, technical equipment that was meant to, um, I don't know, help with energy or, or water supply to the house. Yeah. Um, it's really hard. And, and at ERA, we give people choices and they can see the cost and the payback of those choices as they make those choices in designing their home. Um, and that's based on, you know, our calculation calculation methodology. Um, but but it would be good if people with existing homes could also decide what is the, you know, what is the first thing I should do with this house? And maybe it's add more insulation. Maybe it's get better doors and windows. I, d I don't know. It's not always just put technology in. Um, right. and that's not the best payback, but it's very hard to get sort of independent inf information. I also asked, who do you talk yes. to? Do we a, put a together a tool with the ABC Collaborative, which is advanced building construction that is right. um, a retrofit tool that basically asks you the different criteria of um, where you live, what climate zone you're in, what kind of insulation you have, what type of windows, and then it shows where and how you should could invest in in um, improving your house for energy performance. Steve, right. we lost you. No, I'm still here. Okay. Yeah. No, I I I think it'd be great to have something like that, but uh, but it's got to be individual. Equally, you know, who do you go to to get advice on a life cycle cost assessment? Because I asked ChatGPT and it listed, you know, one of the people on the list were architects. And I find myself saying, I don't really know any architects that could do a life cycle cost assessment for my home. Yeah. Most architects aren't even involved in residential construction at single family homes at all. So where do you go to get good advice on a life cycle cost assessment? Yeah, the architect, I mean, that's what I would have answered as well. Um, and, you know, hopefully it is the designer. If you're talking to a production builder, I know that the they, production builders have designers um, who are thinking about those things. And then separately, if you're talking about a custom home, they definitely have an architect involved. Um, so uh, and then there are also energy raters. So there are energy consultants um, who the architects or the builder can re um bring into the process. So I think all of those things would add up to being able to have but, a, a solid but, solution. But if I'm a homeowner, so me and Athena, we both own our own homes. You you probably do too, Jennifer. And so mm -hmm. we're, we're sitting in our house and I say, okay, I want to make this house more sustainable. Who do I talk to? Yeah, I would, I would first and foremost go to an energy consultant. Um, so there are many and, you know, there are other there are actually programs where people are rated like a lead certifier or Pearl certification has a program that you could go and find somebody in your area and get hooked up with them and then have them come to your house and do a hands on audit. OK, so it's a very labor intensive and therefore I'm guessing mm -hmm. expensive process just to do an assessment to see if what I should be doing um, first and foremost. Yeah, it could be, yep. Okay. Are there any kind of um, like government grants or government, uh, I guess, help um, to I don't know, like insulate your home for free or, or sort of help change the energy rating of your homes? So I know 
obviously over in the UK where I am at the moment, they do do that. But uh, what's that? What's that like in the States? Is there that option for home buyers and homeowners? Yeah, so it, it, I was mentioning before that the Inflation Reduction Act, and there are a lot of tax credits and tax rebates associated with that. And it just depends on your income for one. And then beyond that, it depends on um, what what you're putting in. And But there are a lot of tax rebates and credits available through that program. So once you do get the energy um, audit, then you can work on what products you want to incorporate into um, improving your home's performance and look at how those would impact your energy savings year over year plus layer on the tax credit and rebates. So just a, a, a question, would an energy auditor say, hey, you should plant a tree here because it's a west facing side of the building and uh, you could do with some shade on that side of the house? The, I mean, because energy sounds like you're really just talking about electricity and and um, I guess it's much should be much broader than that if you want to get a holistic view yeah it totally depends on who you um, get okay. hooked up with there are a lot of folks that who will look at a more holistic design like that I would say most of them are just looking at the thermal performance of the house right. um, but yeah you'd have to you'd have to like hand select who you want to come do your audit okay Okay, well, that's uh, been sort of certainly enlightening for me. So thank you. Um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. Yeah, you learned so much on these calls. <laughs> love, yeah. love what you guys are doing in Era. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. We Can't wait to see too. that go. Yeah, we, well, we're pretty excited about what we're doing. So thanks. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Great to see you guys. Thank you so All much. Right. You okay. too. Thanks for joining, thank Jennifer.